This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. And what we're going to be talking about today is this. The title of our message is, It's Time. It's Time. And what does that mean? Well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of walking around thinking the last few days. And if you're like me, who's enjoying the spring weather that we're having in Barstow right now? Hey, that's pretty cool. And, you know, I'm seeing these wild desert flowers popping up out of the ground. It's like our mountains are kind of turning about as green as they're going to get. Let's get real here. They're not. Okay, this isn't Ireland, but let's, it is what we've got. So, you know, things are, they're turning green and, and it's just a beautiful thing to see. You hear the birds singing and, and you know, it's springtime right here in the high desert and I love it. And, and I'm thinking about there's different seasons in our life, right? Just like there's different seasons in this earth. We, you know, there, there's the winter season. There's the, you know, where things kind of go dormant for a while. We've got, and you know, the summer season, which everybody in Barstow just loves summer, don't you? I don't. I don't like it. But we've got, you know, but then we got this springtime right now. And this is the season that God has us in. And in your life, you are in some season. I don't know what it could be for you. Maybe you're in a dry season right now. And it's like, man, I'm trying to, to get to a higher level with God. I'm trying to be where I should be. But it's just uh, nothing's happening. I, I don't know what's going on. Maybe you're like in the springtime right now and things are blooming and life is going beautifully and, and resurrecting. And it's awesome. I don't know what season you're in. But I do know this is that whatever season you're in, it is time for something even better for you. If things are not going that well, then, hey, what do you got to lose, man? It couldn't get any worse, right? Just go ahead and give it over to God. But if things are pretty good in your life right now, imagine if it could be even ten times better than what it is. No, whatever's going on, what if your life was even ten times better than what it is right now? And I can tell you this, and I'm not afraid to say it, that's what God wants for you. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20 that God wants to do exceeding and abundantly above anything you could even ask or think. And so sometimes we sit here and we imagine, we dream about the things that we would want for our life. And God's up there saying, oh, man, that is nothing. That's all you, I could do. I could double that. I could triple that. I could do anything exceeding and abundantly above anything that you're even thinking about right now. And so whatever the season is that you're going through right now. I'm telling you today that it's time for things to get better. If it's good to get even better, but God wants you blessed. God wants your children blessed. Do I have any parents in the house today? Hey, I got little kids. I got a whole bunch. I got four little kids. And I'm telling you, man, God wants those kids blessed. He wants them to lead a productive, successful life and do something with themselves and to serve the Lord. That's the biggest desire as a dad that I have. I don't you know, if I'm never a millionaire, I'm fine with that. If I never have the biggest house in Barstow, I don't care. But if my kids love the Lord and serve God every day of their life, I have died a successful man and I don't need anything else in this world. Amen. And so kids have a place in my heart. But I'll tell you this. Today, the Lord's saying this to us. and It's a revelation 320. But Jesus, he told us, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice, they'll open the door and I'll come in and I'll have supper with them. And so 
I grew up in Indiana and we grew up out in the country. And I was thinking about this earlier, the springtime, you know, it brings me back. We, you know, we had all our house with hundreds of acres of woods back there. There was creeks and streams and there was deer and, you know, foxes hopping around. You know, I'm probably making it sound better than what it was, but it was, you know, it was a pretty cool place. And at the end of the day, my brothers, we'd be out there all day long playing in the woods, doing, you know, crazy little redneck things. And then at the end of the day, my mom would always shout, boys, come in. It's time for dinner. Supper's ready. And I mean, when we heard the invitation to supper, we ran through that open door. You didn't have to tell us twice. And so Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, I'm knocking at the door. I'm opening up the door. And if you'll just let me come in, I'll have supper with you. And nothing in this world would be better than having supper, having fellowship, hanging out with Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. I've been there. I have had fellowship and I do have fellowship. I hang out with Jesus every day of my life. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me what to do. And Jesus has changed my life. He's healed me of leukemia. He, I was crippled and now I can walk again. He healed my eye. Jesus did all of these things for me that nobody else could do. That's why I'm crazy about Jesus, because he did things for me that no other person in this world could ever do or would maybe even want to do for me. Jesus has done them. And so what we're saying today is this is it's time for things to get better in our lives. And Jesus has a good plan for you. So I'm going to open up with prayer. And we've just got three brief points we're going to look at today. And I believe that the Lord's going to speak to your heart. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for uh, a beautiful day that we have here to be together in this church, in your house, worshiping you and learning about you. And Lord, you know what each person here is facing in their lives today, God. You know when we walk out of these doors what we're going to walk into, God, what we're going home to today. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you're going to speak to everybody here. You're going to show us things that we need to see. We're going to hear the things that we need to hear, Lord. And you're going to change our lives and bring us to that place that you have for us. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. So, What we're saying today is it's time, but that brings this question, if it's time, why now? Why 2017? Why wasn't it 2016 or 15? Listen, what I want to tell you is why I believe now is the time that God wants to do something in your life. Number one, because God has a purpose for your life. Now, that's not just some, you know, cliche thing that we say at churches, you know, because you're supposed to say that. Like, I genuinely believe That every person in here, every person in this world, God has a purpose. You weren't just born because, you know, there's nothing else that God just needed someone else to fill a spot or there was no reason. No, you were born with a purpose and God has something that he wants to do for you. Psalm 139 says that before you were born, every day of your life was laid out. He planned every day. Now, I'm not saying that every day has gone exactly how God wanted it to because I've had some bad days. And I don't believe that's the way that God had planned that day. But sometimes I've done some things to kind of veer off of the path and mess the plan up that God had. But it's okay. He wasn't mad at me. He just led me back on the path and got me where I needed to go. Amen. And so this morning we're going to look at a very interesting Bible story, kind of one that people share with kids a lot of times. But I find it to be one of the most interesting Bible stories. And it's the story of this guy named Jonah. Has anyone ever heard of Jonah? Okay, Jonah, uh, this story is so interesting because it reminds me of all of our lives where God gives us the choice to do the right thing. And it's a choice. And sometimes we've chosen, I don't really want to do that. I'm going to go my way. 
and then something happens, right? So let's open our Bibles to the book of Jonah. All right. Now, this will be in the Old Testament, and I'm, I'm sure you probably don't read your daily devotion out of Jonah. So it might take you a minute to get there. So if you're having trouble, it's on page 860. All right. Yeah. If you happen to have my exact same Bible, but if not, you are on your own, Jack. I, I can't find it for you. All right. Jonah, chapter one. And as you're getting there, you know, Jonah, he's just a regular guy trying to live his life. You know, he's just trying to, you know, make, make his way through this world like so many people are. But then one day the Lord shows up and, and talks to him and gives him a plan. And that's what God's doing to so many of us today. We're just, we're not trying to hurt anybody. We're just trying to live our life, survive, make a little money, get through this thing and, and hope for the best. But listen, it doesn't have to be that way. The Lord's got something for you. You just got to listen to him. So Jonah chapter one, and we're going to look at verses one through three. It says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Now, that's not exactly my idea of a, you know, a, a good calling from the Lord. I'd probably rather volunteer for the church nursery and change diapers or something than to go to some strange city. And his job was to yell to the people, you're wicked. Turn from your ways. Who wants to do that, man? They label you as a nut. They, you are a lunatic when you do that. And I mean, according to people's standards. And so here we are. God says, you got to go out and you got to tell people how wicked they are in this city. And so do you think Jonah was like, all right, you got it, big guy. We're going to do this. Let's go. No, look at verse three. It says, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. And so Jonah goes the exact opposite direction. He was hoping, get this, all right? He was trying to hide from God. That's, I'm just going to say that's impossible. You cannot hide from God. You, you can run, you can, you can hide, but he's going to see you everywhere you go. There's no way you're going to get away and God's going to say, man, where did he go? I know he was around here somewhere. I, I have no idea. Where, where did this guy go? I'm looking for him. I, Jesus, help. No, he, you know, you can't hide from God. You know, I had this dog that, that uh, every time she did something wrong and she knew it, she would run and dive and hide under the bed. But it, she was a puppy. She eventually got to this place where she didn't hide. On, she couldn't fit under there anymore. So one day she tore up one of my Sports Illustrated magazines and I'm chasing her down and she dives from the bed. I'm like, man, here she goes. But wait, she couldn't get all the way under. She had grown. She was stuck. And I, those last few steps, I was like, oh, yeah, you're going to get it this time. But the thing is, she was trying to hide. She thought she was hiding because she couldn't see me, but I could see her. You, and she couldn't hide from me anymore. And it's just that way with God. You're like, well, I can't see him. Maybe he can't see me. No, he sees you everywhere you go. You can't hide from God. And so you're in here today and God has put a call upon your life. And you're thinking, me? I don't even go to church. Yeah, God's got a call on your life and you're trying to run from it. You're trying to do your own thing. But he said, I see you this whole time. Yep, you're over there. Guess what? I still see you over there. I, I'm watching all of this. I'm seeing every step that you're taking. You're not going to get away from the Lord. And that's what Jonah was trying to do. So let's look at verses four and five here. So he tries to escape. He's on a ship. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. 
And if you've ever been on a boat in troubled waters, that is an unpleasant experience. Man, if you're bouncing all over the place, that is awful. That's the worst, man. And here he is. They're getting shaken all over the place. But look at verse five. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. The ship's getting tossed all over the place. There's professional sailors that are scared for their lives. Okay, these aren't guys. This is their first time on the water. These guys do this every day for a living. They're terrified and screaming and throwing things overboard. And the one guy that's responsible for all of it, he's down there asleep, not even waking up or anything. And I feel like there's some people I know that God's trying to get their attention and everybody else can see it. They're like, man, God's working on that guy and God's trying to get his attention. I wish he'd listen. And that this guy's just sleeping through life. You're like, huh? What? Huh? Talking to me? You know, and God's using everything to get their attention. Maybe you're that guy. I don't know. Maybe you're the guy here that God keeps trying to send people into your life to help you. He keeps trying to change your life and you're half asleep wondering what's going on. But right here, man, the boat is getting shaken. And Jonah, the one guy responsible for all this, he doesn't even bother to wake up. He's down there doing his thing. So. The sailors were some superstitious guys, okay? So they're like, well, we're going to find out who's... So they they cast lots, they throw the dice, and they determine that it's the guy sleeping down below. It's Jonah. And and look what happens here. Look at verse 9. And Look at verse 9. So they're like, you're the one responsible for this? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. Even these sailors knew that this guy has screwed up. He's running from God and you can't get away from God. They didn't even know. They had their own gods. They didn't even know who the Lord was. And even they had enough sins to know you can't get away from God. Why did you do this, man? Now you're screwing it up for all the rest of us because our choices affect other people whether good or bad. And sometimes, I don't know about you, I've brought other people into the mess I've made for myself. And then I really regret it. Like, man, why didn't I just do the right thing the first time? Now I'm affecting other people. And here's Jonah affecting other people's lives because he wanted to try and run from God. But look at this. (laughs) And, And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, well, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said. And it will all become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. And so at least he's got the guts to man up and take responsibility. So he tells them, if you throw me overboard, it'll end all of your problems. Who would like to volunteer to be thrown into the raging sea? And I'm thinking, no way, man. That is insane. But look what happens. Look what happens. Verse 15. Verse 15. Turn the page here. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. Can you imagine that witnessing this? The storm instantly stops. Verse 16, the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. So at least these guys through all of it, they're like, okay, that's the real Lord. That's God. You know, they, they start bowing down. They had enough sense to see. Yes, this guy, this must have been it. This the Lord is real. 
But look at the next verse. Here's the part of the story that we're all familiar with. Now, the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now, this sounds I mean, this is an incredible story. And and to some people they are like, well, I don't I mean, that's cute. I think that that's you know, that's just a figurative speech there. Maybe the fish represented his trouble. No, the dude got swallowed by a giant fish. OK, probably a sperm whale or something. I don't know. But it was a great big fish and it swallowed him. And I was even looking at this like the possibilities. And it's totally possible for something like this to happen is in the early 1900s. Uh, an actual sailor got swallowed by a sperm whale off the Falkland Islands and he survived. They, they pulled the guy out after they. And so I'm like, man, this. Yeah, this totally happened. This Jonah got swallowed by a great fish and he was in there for three days and three nights. And he had some time to think at that point about his decisions. And isn't it the worst when you kind of know, like, man, I probably shouldn't have done that. And then you've just got some time to sit there with your thoughts and think about it. You start beating yourself over the head. And I'm betting that inside of that fish. Well, we know what happens in chapter three. But but Jonah probably had a few minutes to think, why did I do that? Why did I not just go the right way? Why did I bring this upon myself? And he had some time to think about it. And we'll find out later that he ends up making the right choice. But for all of us, I want us to look at our lives and 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 look at the life of Jonah here, because Jonah could have done one of two things. He could have blamed God for his troubles or he could have taken responsibility. Right. He could have blamed God. He could have said, God. You said you had good plans for my life, man. Here I am in a fish. Why did you do this to me? But the truth of the matter is, should he have been blaming God? No, God gave him and God totally gave him a way out of this situation. He just chose the wrong way. And I see a lot of people these days blaming God for things in their life. Why did you let this happen? Why did you do this to me? Why is this going on? Why? Why you? Why you? And they're pointing their finger at God. And God said, I didn't do that to you. John chapter 10, verse 10 says that the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. I didn't try to send sickness to you. I didn't try to send poverty to you. I didn't try to break your family up and split your marriage. That wasn't me. I was trying to fix it. And so no matter what situation you're in, don't blame God. And listen, he's not mad at you. You've got to know that, too. God is not mad at you. Wherever you're at, he's saying, man, I'm holding my hand out. Just grab my hand. I'll pull you out of that mess, dude. I don't want you down there. I'll get you out of that and I'll get you into the life that you've always dreamed of. I'll get you a life that's better than anything you've even imagined. That's what God's saying today. And so why is now the time for us to step it up and 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 take things to the right level with God? Well, number one, because I believe God has a purpose And the second thing, we're going to take a time out from Jonah and I'm going to get to the second point. The second thing is this is because I believe that heaven is real. I'm absolutely, totally one million percent convinced that heaven is a real place. It's not just something that, you know, the Bible made up to bribe us to be good boys and girls. If you're really good, you can go to heaven. Come on, boys. No, that's it's, it's a genuine, real place. That people do go to, you know, the Bible tells us in Romans ten thirteen that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's all you got to do to go to heaven. You got to call upon the name of the Lord and give him your life. And that may sound like, well, that sounds really hard. That's that's not hard at all. It's the best decision I ever made. And because of it, I'm going to this place called heaven someday. And I'm not afraid to say that I am totally convinced 
that when I die, I'm going to a place called heaven and then it's a real place. And it's kind of funny that according to an ABC News poll that nearly 90 percent of Americans believe in heaven. You know, I wish 90 percent of Americans lived like they believed in heaven. But the fact of the matter is this is that almost everybody believes that there's a heaven. Why? Because inside of everybody, there is a desire. There's a search for truth that says there has got to be more than what I can see in this world. There's got to be something better than this. I mean, you see people that are rich beyond belief and they're miserable. Like money can't buy you peace. Money can't buy you joy. They think, man, if I could just get with this girl, if I could just get with this guy, man, that that would be my life would be set. Man, listen to me. People can't give you peace. People can't bring you joy. They can bring you temporary happiness. Sure. But listen to me. Peace can only come from God Almighty. And, and, and he is the creator of heaven and the creator of earth. And until we give our lives to him, we're never going to have peace. We're never going to have true joy. No, it's never going to happen. But C.S. Lewis said this. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world, no experience in this world can satisfy, the best explanation is that I was made for another world. You weren't made just to live on planet Earth. God had something bigger and greater in mind. You were made for a life in heaven to be with Jesus. And this is a real place. But I want to show you something. Hold your spot in Jonah because we are coming back. Flip to the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter 21. Revelation, chapter 21. I can tell you this, man. I want to go to heaven. Absolutely. Everything that I've read, everything that I've heard. I want to go to heaven so bad. I want to be there. I want to be in heaven. Now, I'm not, you know, don't kill me right now. Okay, I believe, you know, I need to stick around for a little bit. But, man, I'm not afraid of dying. Are you kidding me? No. Jesus conquered death. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm going to heaven someday. I've got nothing to be afraid of. You know, I've, I've heard it said that, man, you can't threaten a Christian with death. Kidding me? You're threatening me? I'm going to go to heaven? You're threatening me with heaven. Where streets are paved with gold. There's a river of life. I'm going to see my grandma and grandpa again. I'm going to, I'm going to worship Jesus. There's a tree of what? You're going to threaten me with that? Are you kidding me? Gosh. But Revelation 21, verse 4. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It talks about when we get to heaven. Because one of the best things about heaven is there is never, ever anything bad that you will face again for the rest of your never it is a state of perfection that never goes away revelation 21 4 says he will wipe every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain all these things are gone forever no no more death no more sorrow no more crying no more pain all these things are gone Forever, you are living with Jesus Christ for the rest of the rest of eternity. And I think about that, man, the pains that that people go through in this life. There's not going to be any of that in heaven. No emotional pain, no physical pain, no, no depression. No, none of this stuff. It's perfection 
forever and ever, 100% joy and peace and bliss for forever. It's got to be beyond anything that we can imagine. In fact, the Apostle Paul, the Lord let him have a vision of heaven and he wrote about it in Corinthians. And he said, in fact, I saw things that were too wonderful for me to explain things that are beyond my comprehension. I would try to describe them, but I can't even describe the things that I saw in heaven. Heaven's a real place. And the thing is this, is that God wants everybody to go there. But the truth is that not everybody does go there because Jesus gives us the choice. He said, you know, it says, choose for yourselves this day who you're going to serve. Right. It says, choose for yourself. God's not going to force you into heaven, kicking you in there. Get in there. Get all the way. Get through the gates. Go kicking you in there. No, you have the choice to make. You can say, yes, I receive you, Jesus. Or you can be like a lot of people and say, I don't know. It's not for me. That's not my thing. I've always taken care of me. I've done me. You do you. I'll do me. That stuff's not for me. And listen to me. That stuff is for you. Heaven is for you. And Jesus wants you to go there. He wants everybody to go there. Peter said that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should go into everlasting life. That's what God's plan is for you. Heaven is the real place. And, you know, um, We've obviously got all the biblical evidence for it. The Bible tells us about heaven, Old and New Testament. But I I find it interesting that there are people that have had glimpses of heaven. And you're like, well, that sounds super impossible. Well, uh, this book came out recently, 2016, a book called Imagine Heaven. And I find it incredible. A pastor from Austin, Texas, uh, Pastor John Burke of Gateway Church, wrote this book. But he spent nearly three decades tracking down people that have had what the medical world would call a near-death experience or somebody that has verified died and been resuscitated and come back to life, okay? And we know that, you at least know that that's possible, that they can bring someone back, okay? And so he's interviewed over a thousand people that have had what the medical world calls a near-death experience. And what, what the incredible thing about this is that out of all these people they've never met, They've never compared stories. All of their stories have the exact same things in common. They all line up with each other. And that's incredible. The legal world would call that um, indisputable evidence. When you've got over a thousand people that verify and testify to seeing the exact same thing and they have not collaborated, they would say, well, that's indisputable. It had to have happened. And so, and again, these people, the interesting thing for me is that it's not a bunch of rednecks that ate too much pizza and like, man, I saw Jesus, I saw Elvis in a UFO, you know, so not weird stuff like that, but there's brain surgeons, there's bank presidents, engineers, people like that are bona fide, you know, intelligent people that have nothing to gain by making up a story about Jesus. But I find it interesting that these people, their stories, they all have something in common. And, and one story that I was reading about is this lady that she was she had been born blind. She had not seen anything ever. Her entire life had not ever for one second seen anything with her physical eyes. Well, she died in a car accident and and she was she was out. I mean, she she was dead. They verified this one was dead and they 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 resuscitate her and bring her back. But while she was out, she has she has this vision of heaven. Jesus takes her up into heaven for a little bit and starts playing back these scenes from her life. I mean, different family events, different things that she had done. And when she comes back, she starts telling her family about it. And they're like, well, she, you know, that's probably brain trauma or something. But she starts naming off exactly. Yeah, no, Aunt Sally, she was wearing a green dress. She had this in her hair. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Wow. 
Uh, how could she know that? She has never seen anything in her life. And so she starts naming something else. Yeah, the, he was driving this over here, and this guy was wearing this, doing this. The kids are right over here. under. I mean, things that there's no way in the world she's never seen anything. But in heaven, there's no more sorrow. There's no more pain. There's no sickness. There's nothing wrong in heaven. And she, in detail, saw these things. I find that incredible. And so, yeah, a lot of people are taking notice of stories like this. 2008, a doctor named Eben Alexander, a brain surgeon, he uh, had bacterial meningitis of the brain, and he was out, like, basically brain dead for a whole week. And so, uh, before this point in time, you know, he had been a believer in the Lord, but he thought that a lot of these experiences people had were from brain trauma and, you know, just kind of the brain going into shock. But while he was out, he had the same experience that this woman had. They bring her back, and 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 when when he comes back, he's trying to in his mind. Well, how could this be? That that had to be. And then he finds out. He he writes in his book that that all of this happened. This vision, the things that he saw, happened when he says the neocortex was was completely uh, was completely shut down. Basically, he was brain dead when this happened. There's and he, and he's a brain surgeon. He he knows what he's talking about. He said, "There's no way that my brain." could have made that experience up because there was nothing going on up there. He genuinely had an experience where the Lord let him see heaven. And so all these things I'm telling you, you know, that you may think, well, that sounds too weird. I can't accept that. That's fine. You know, that that's your business. But what I'm telling you is this, is that heaven is a real place. And because of that, I want to go there and I want my kids to go to heaven someday. I don't want to get up there and I have my kids with me. I want them there. I want my family there. I want everybody that I've ever met to be there. Because, listen, there's nobody that I don't like enough that I'd say I want them to go to hell. I would never say that. I don't care who you are, how bad, mean, ugly you are. You're a terrorist. I am not going to say go to hell. I never, ever. Because if you really knew what hell was like, you wouldn't wish that upon anybody. In fact, Jesus, uh, well, John, the apostle wrote in 1 John 4, he said, let us love one another for love comes from God and anyone that loves is born of God and knows God. But then in verse eight, he said, anyone that does not love does not know God for God is love. And so if we're here and we can say, man, I've got someone that I hate, I hate their guts. Listen, the Bible says you don't even know God for God is love. And that's a that's a tough pill to swallow because, man, maybe somebody's done you wrong. Maybe somebody totally wronged you. But listen, I don't want them to go to hell. I feel bad for them. I've, I've got some compassion that says, man, they don't know what they're doing. They are really messed up right now. I, I, I pray that they get things right with God because I don't want them to go to hell. No Christian anywhere would, would wish hell upon anybody because we know that heaven is absolutely a real place, and I am convinced, totally convinced, that I'm going there someday when I die. And I want my children to go there, like I said. So the third thing we're going to say is this, number three. Why is now the time? Well, God has a purpose for your life. Whether you choose to believe it or not, that's up to you, but it's true. And the second thing is, heaven is real, and I'm going there, and I'd like to see you there when I get there. But the third thing is this is that your choices affect others. No matter who you are, it doesn't matter if, you know, if, if you're a, a parent, it doesn't matter if you're a, the boss of somewhere. Uh, I don't care. Your choices, they affect other people. And Jonah, he was not some special guy that, you know, had some 
amazing worldwide ministry or something. No, he was just a regular guy trying to live his life. But God had a purpose for him. So let's get back to the book of Jonah, chapter two. You've got to get this today. If you walk out of here with nothing else, you have got to realize that God loves you, man. He, he absolutely he loves you. Even if you if you say, man, nobody loves me. No, nobody in this world wants me. Listen, God does. He loves you. He wants you. He thought you were worth dying for. He, he thought he said, man, that guy's worth a shot. I'm going to do this. Jesus thought you were worth it all for him to lay down his life. He loves you. And you are not sitting in this church today by some accident. This is not a mistake that you made. This is not something you don't, you didn't just roll in here today for no reason. You're here for a reason. And the Lord is trying to speak to your heart today. I don't care if you've been a born again Christian for 50 years. That's fine. Good for you. Nice. Maybe you've never walked with the Lord. Maybe, maybe you've just, it's never been your thing. Whatever the reason, you are totally in this church for a reason today. And God's trying to speak to your heart. If you'll listen, God loves you and he's got better for you than what you've got going on right now. He's got a lot better for you. But Jonah, chapter two, verse one, we see that his choices, they've affected other people, these sailors in a bad way. So he's inside of this fish. He's inside of the the whale, the fish, whatever you want to call it. And here's what he does. Here's his first good move out of this whole story. It says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. Thank God that Jonah had enough sense to call out to God in his darkest hour. Because I know some people, they are so stubborn. They are so stubborn. They've got so much pride. They could be at the lowest point in their life and they're still fighting against God. They're still saying, no, I got this, man. I'm tough enough. I I can do this. I've always done me. I've got. And, and, And we're saying, my God, man, why? Why? Just call out. And so Jonah, he's there. He's in the sea. He's in the fish's belly. But he has enough sense. And you can read these verses here. He said, man, God, I blew it. If you would be willing to give me a second chance, I'll do it right this time. If you'll give me one more shot, I'll do what you said. And I've been there. I have put myself in bad situations. And hey, you can look at me. Don't feel judged. You can judge me. You have permission to judge me right now. Totally do it. I have put myself in bad situations before that have affected other people. And I've wondered, man, I don't know if, if, if he's going to let me get, if he's going to put me back on the right track. I, I don't know right now. All I wish is that I could go back in time and have back what I screwed up. I don't know. Maybe you've been in that spot where you could say, man, I wish I had what I let go of. I've been there. And, and the thing is, is when I called out to God from inside of my figurative fish, I've never been swallowed by a real fish, but figuratively. Okay. So, you know, when I called out to God from inside of the fish that I was in, he said, you know what? I forgive you and I'm going to give you a second chance. Just, you got to do it my way this time, though. No more of that, you know, running the other way to stuff. No, you got to do it my way. But he gave me a second chance. And I can tell you, man, if you've ever been given a second chance, if you truly know what forgiveness feels like when you're the one that screwed up, you, oh man, that is the best feeling in this world to be forgiven and to given, be given a second chance when you don't even deserve it. But God said, no, it's okay. Forget about it. I'm going to give you another chance. I've been there and that is the best feeling in this entire world. And so Jonah calls out to God. Look at verse 10. 
Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. That's not inspirational. You know, you want to get that printed out on a picture and put it on your refrigerator. Get that tattooed on your forearm of the, you know, can you imagine? I just, I don't know why I picture this, that you're at the beach one day with your kids, like building a sandcastle and a giant whale swims up and like, and this guy comes crawling out. My God, it was hot in there. Wouldn't that just totally flip you out that anyway, I, I think about these things. And so, and so anyway, Jonah comes just like spit out on the beach, rolling through the sand. And, and here he is slimy and dirty and everything else. But God has given him a second chance. And the truth of the matter is, when you put yourself in the fish's belly like some of us have, you, there's a little bit of yuck on you. you got to go get washed off. And that's the reason that you come into church. Amen. Some people are like, well, if I could just get everything together, I'd come. I'd go ahead and come into church. And that's the, that's not the way you do it. You don't come to church because you are perfect, because you've got it together. You come to church to get it together. Amen. You don't come to church because you're all that. Okay. And so, you know, I've said it before. So many people tell me I invite people and the man, if I walk through the doors, the building would burn down instantly. If I walk through those doors, lightning would strike and be a light show in there. Boom. Like that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You think that even if you're the worst person in the world, which you're not, but even if you were the worst, the absolute place that the Lord would want you to be would be in church, okay? Even if there were lightning bolts everywhere, I can guarantee you it would miss you if you walked into the church. It could could hit everybody else, but you'd be the one that it didn't hit because you're finally doing the right thing. So don't ever give us that baloney. Well, no, I'm too bad for church. No, nobody's too bad for church. Those are the people that we're looking for at this church. We are looking for imperfect people. So I'm not interested in someone, you know, well, I've been a member of this church for so long, I think I'll come to yours. No, stay there. Do not come over here. We don't want you. And I don't say that mean, but if you belong to church, man, go to your church. But if you have some issues and you can say, I need to get it together. I don't feel like I'm right with God. Welcome home. This is the place for you. We want you here. We embrace you. You are one of us. You, you are You're the guy that we're looking for. And so Jonah... He got out of the bad situation, but I'm sure he had to wash some of the filth off for a few minutes. And look at chapter 3. Because God wasn't mad at Jonah. He didn't say, good, now that you're out of there, I can really talk to you. Really deal with you. No. God said, all right, we got that out of our system now? Okay. You ready to listen to me this time? Let's go. And so God gives him a second chance. Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 through 5. So on the day that Jonah entered the city... He shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And again, that's not normally going to make you the most popular guy in the world. You're probably going to get a little bit of ridicule. Okay? And so he, he's yelling to the crowds, 40 days. You've got 40 days. And you're going to be destroyed. And I will say this in Jonah's defense. He did have a reason to be scared. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. And the Assyrians at this point in time were a very, very cruel, wicked, mean, bad people. They're pretty much terrorists. OK, let's get real here. And so that'd be like God coming up to you and saying, all right, I want you to go over to Iran and announce to all of ISIS that they got 40 days to repent and turn from their ways. Do it. Go now. Go. Go. I mean, I got to admit, I would probably be tempted to say, no, uh, find someone else. I gotta go. I gotta go. I mean, I gotta go to Victorville. I'd, I'd run somewhere. You know what I mean? I would be somewhere, but I'd, it would be difficult 
to find a good reason to want to do that. So I will give Jonah that that defense. But again, is it our is it is it our problem if God gives us a big calling? Is it, is it our is it our job to say no? That's too big for me. No, it's just our job to say yes. Maybe God's given you a really big calling, and you're sitting there saying, "No, not me. That's none of your business. It's just your. It's not your business to figure out how God's going to do it. It's just your business to say yes. That's what I'm trying to say here. It's you don't have to worry if God told you to do something. You don't have to figure out how and why. Why me? Well, how's that going to happen? That's that's God's job. Your job is to just go over there and say what he tells you to say. And so Jonah goes to the very wicked Assyrian people. And by the way, these people now are a Christian community in northern Iraq. And so it's kind of a neat neat story when you break it all down. But here we go. He goes to Nineveh and look at verse five. I love this. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Now, you don't need to put on burlap. That was their thing. But anyway, here they are. And it actually worked. Have you ever like done stepped out and done something that you were kind of iffy about? Like, I really hope this works. I, I'm just I'm going to I'm trying this out. I hope it works. And then it actually works. You're like, oh, wow, it worked. It actually happened. And so here they are. He goes out there and it says everybody from the greatest to the least, they're like, oh, my gosh, they they repented. They turned to God. They turned from their ways. Is this because Jonah was all that? No, it's because God's all that. And God's not calling you because you're all that. He's calling you and asking for your hand and asking for you to step up because he's got all the power it's going to take. All he needs is for you to say yes and say, I'm along for the ride. You can count me in. I'll do what you're telling me to do. And that's what happened with Jonah right here. And look at verse 10, verse 10. When God saw that they had done that they had done what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. So check it out. Your choices affect others. Jonah's bad choice brought danger upon a bunch of sailors' lives. Jonah's good choice rescued the lives of a whole bunch of people. Your choices affect others. I'm telling you right now. Now, your choices, you're sitting there saying, well, I don't believe that I'm going to impact thousands of people. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. But I can guarantee you this. Your choices affect other people. And I can't get away from this. I I go to this all the time. If you are a parent, if you are a grandparent, if you're uh, if you're somebody I, I think about the kid, if you're somebody that has little kids in your life that look up to you, they're not listening to what you say. They're observing what you do. No, none of this junk. of No, do as I say, not as I do. You know, I'm not making fun of anybody, but you don't want your kids to be like that. Then why are you doing it in front of them? He said, you should, you know, kids, you know, you grow up in the house of the Lord. okay? and then you never go. Listen, that's not right. That's not good. They're going to follow what they see, not what you keep telling them. And that's that's why I guess where the biggest place that my heart is, is for all these for these kids to have a place to go, a, a place of safety a, a, and to be raised in the ways of the Lord. That's what that's what my desire is. And I can't speak for anybody else, but I'm just like Joshua in the Bible. when he said in Joshua 24, 15, he said, listen, I can't speak for anybody else. 
you know, you can serve the gods on the other side of the river. You can serve our gods. The choice is up to you. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay, I don't care. What, I don't care if the whole city of Barstow starts saying, no, that God thing is not cool. It's not real. I can tell you one household that's not going to say that. I don't care what anybody else does. We will still do what we've always done. My kids will pray. They will read the Bible. They will go to church and I will tell them that I love them every day of their lives. Why? Because my choices affect them. My choices affect my kids. And my kids mean the world to me. And I know you guys, you're the same way, man. You're your kids, your grandkids. They mean everything to you. We've got to get it together. Okay? Our choices affect them. I want to show you one last verse today. It's in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14. And so what we're telling you today is it's time. This is time for the best season of your life. Man, no matter if your life is amazing, let's get even better. No matter if your life's been in the dumps, it doesn't matter. This is the time for your life to just absolutely explode with the amazingness, the grace of God, and for God to really do what He wants to do in your life. I mean, you've had a crack at it. Let's let God have a crack at it. Proverbs chapter 14, and we're going to look here at verse 12. Proverbs 14, verse 12, it says, There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. The final thing that I want to say to us today is evaluate your path. Because sometimes we're, we're on a path and it seems right. It, it feels good. It's like, yeah, this seems all right. I can handle this. But listen to me. We got, we got to get real with ourselves and look, where does this path lead? You know, I, I know people, they have no idea where they're going. They're just like along for the ride, man. They're just skipping one day to the next. And it is a sad thing to be in this world and not know what your purpose is and have no idea where you are going with your life. That is sad. And I know people, man, that they're just they have no idea. They're just they're along the path while everyone else is going this way. They're, they're just doing it, man. And it seems right. But the Bible tells us there's a way that seems right. But it ends up in death. It ends up in destruction. It ends up killing you someday. Jesus, though, he offers us a better way. He said, I am the way, the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so I'm encouraging us today, evaluate whatever the path it is you're on. I I can't do it for you. I'm not going to sit there and examine your life. That's up to you. But look at it and say, is this really the way that I want to end up? Am I going to be proud 20 years from now of my kids are living exactly how I am right now. Is that going to make me proud? Is that going to be a good thing if my grandkids end up just like me? I don't know. But the good news is this, is that it's never too late, man. If your life is not where it needs to be right now, the good news is it, it, it's, it's never too late, man. You can change that right now in about two seconds worth of time. You could totally change it. And so I'll close with this. This is your season. I believe that, man. This is your year. This is your year for great things to happen. But it's up to you, man. Jesus has got the power. It's up to you to reach out and to trust him. I don't care how the first couple months of 2017 have gone. The next nine could be the absolute best time of your life if you'll choose for it to be. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.